Hello, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love, and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. Alright, hello guys. Welcome to this bonus episode of Starlight. Usually you guys are used to me doing this with Courtney, but this time we're mixing it up. We have Nathan who's going to be helping us tell a little bit of the stories that are going on outside of the Spacer's point of focus. This is something that they could interact with um, later on in the story, or maybe it won't even get picked up, but what's awesome about these is they help kind of broaden your understanding of the different planets and the different stories and what's going on elsewhere that is helping to kind of build momentum to where the story's going ultimately but yeah uh, enough of me why don't we go ahead and jump in to this bonus episode here we go roll for initiative camera pans from the blackness of space on a outer rim star solar system of XN14 as it was once known in the Federation. It is a place that is protected by the Emerald Enclave as a planetary system that is it's not advanced enough to be brought into the intergalactic community. So under their watchful eyes, the planet is watched and made sure that nobody, whether that be pirates or smugglers or adventurers, come to it and mess up the affairs of the culture that is growing and changing. This planet from the far out look is desolate and gray and has a hazy atmosphere. And as we zoom into it, we are met by howling winds, and if you were standing outside in it, you would feel your skin getting chipped away by 100 mile per hour winds that carry shards of glass. Just, it would flay the flesh. On the surface of the planet, there is no plant life to be seen. There is only rock, no oceans, nothing. You would think that this planet harbors no life of any kind. But indeed, actually, great rifts run throughout all the planet, crisscrossing it like stitches amongst the face of some monster. These crisscrosses, these chasms, run miles deep into the heart of the planet. And if you were to move down those forbidding cliffs, you would find that the further you go down, the more sheltered it becomes from the 
harsh winds up above, and verdant life starts to teem and grow down in the depths of the crevices. It is there in this planet that is jungle-like, filled with plants that grow taller than any man, filled with rocks that seem more ancient and incomprehensible, and rivers that run fast and strong and threaten to pull all away. It is there that you would find life. Life that is not advanced, yes, but life nonetheless. On this planet, this planet of all giant kind, we come in at a nighttime ritual near one of the one of the equatorial rifts we see a horde it is known as the lowrunner horde amongst its people as the sun dies away and the gray atmosphere creates this strange coloration that runs through it the firelight begins to rise and we see that the lowrunner horde is made up of all goliaths giant beings that stand about eight feet to ten feet tall some of them have been known to grow even taller but ah, we are looking more at the eight foot variety and their skin is it is white like parchment that has been rubbed away of all its color tattoos run across both the men and women's bodies the men carry no hair and the women very little to speak of irises carry no color and as of right now, the sound of drums begin to just beat. There is dancing happening all around. It is a gay time. There's revelry. There is mutts on the side just chewing on hunks of meat that have been brought for the feasting of manhood. For the time in which a boy crosses over from the precipice of what he was and what he must become. We see Wahuli chief of the lowrunner horde standing in front raising his hands hands that look like they have seen more years than this man could possibly have gone through he towers at about nine feet and his eyes are a they are the same color as the atmosphere they are gray without any iris and he has red markings that run parallel to his eyes and kind of look like streaks of lightning the markings of a chief he wears a long jacket made of a dire bear's fur. You can see that it runs down past his feet and kind of creates a train behind him. Other than that, he wears a loincloth with a few weapons at the side, bulging muscles despite his age. <laughs> quiet, quiet, my people. Now, the true time has come. I ask that we have Olson of our Lowrunner Horde stand with us. From the crowd, you see your friend, Olson. He is thin. He too is bald like every other male. And he kind of has like a sickly looking color to him. But as you would know, Olson is a lover. He is someone who loves to explore, is uh, close to nature and above all is is a stalwart friend Wahali then looks across as Otsun moves to join him standing to his right side the light of the fire lighting him up 
Lothar dropped here by the one who calls himself of a Kashin. Stand and join me. Any motions for you, Lothar? What do you look like as you join him? Lothar, he is uh, seven and a half feet tall. He is somewhat muscular, but he's not, I wouldn't say that's one of his defining traits. He does have pale skin. You can almost see his like veins. He wears simple types of clothing, nothing too extravagant. He does have these very like vibrant green eyes. The crowd is completely quiet as you go to join him. Wahali places one hand on both of your shoulders. You have served well as boys to the low runner horde, but now it is time for you to join the ranks of men and fulfill your duty. He then takes his stick that he picks up from the side and he begins to draw in the dirt a visage of the sun to one side and then of the moon to the other. As if expecting this, you see others from the horde who are painted in reds stand up near the sun and begin to go into a kind of a tribal dance that shares the symbology of that, the warmth, the power. And then likewise, those painted in complete silvers wearing elegant feathers that come off of the off of the arms deuced likewise by the moon, mystery, chaos. The choice is simple. Like all before you, you will choose where you will go for your manhood. Will you walk in the ways of the lights or in those of the twilight? The sun, the way of the warrior in the flesh, or do you want to travel in the way of the wisdom? Both types of men are needed in this tribe. Pick and return once you are successful. And as you would know, that this ritual would it mean that you would you would go out into the wilds to choose the moon would be to seek the enlightenment from the gods. To choose the way of the flesh and might is to choose the path of the warrior, and in which case you are expected to return with a slave from another horde. Wahali watches you, both of you. Otsun looks at you, always having been a follower of yours, waiting to see which symbol you smudge out as your choice to walk. I would be honored to join the Twilight. The drum beat begins to pick up again. People are dancing and singing, and Wahali nods his head and he motions to your out to the side where you see four other men and one other woman walks your way. They are the only ones who carry full clothing of their body. These blue robes made from dyes of exotic flowers taken almost near from the top of the cliffs where it is very dangerous. And they come around you. They have a cloth and Otsun also chooses the same path. 
they wrap both of you in your own kind of like cloth, not quite robe yet, hasn't been shaped to that, and they say, come this way. You must begin your path of death. And when you reawaken, you will walk not as man, nor as dead thing, but something in between where you will fulfill and find yourself to walk into the vessel that is to be. Lothar of the Kashin, this way, Oath son, friend, son of the Lowrunner Horde, this way. And they begin to take you out to a small, like, hut. The hut is made of brick on the bottom and a thatched roof. And these thick doors are kind of moved back. Out comes a wave of smoke. And you are expected to go in. And as you go in, they say, The floor is made of dirt. Bury yourselves. And when you awaken, you will begin your hunt for wisdom. As you crawl your way in, it's there's like a central beam, and then the outside is all these like furnaces filled with coals, and the heat is just roaring. You feel as if you're being baked alive. The ground feels like clay that you can pull back, and you can see where it has been smoothed over, but once others had also pulled the dirt back as well. Lothara will, will kneel down and start carving out a brave okay Utsen looks at you wordless then begins doing the same I need you both to go ahead and make a constitution saving throw oh no seven Utsen is the first one you see the sweat dripping down his face <sighs> so he finally gets it deep like enough of a big grave for him to get in and cover himself looks like he's just about to pass out and indeed just as he pulls the last bit on him he passes out part of his ear still kind of out of the dirt a little bit of the nostril you yourself you are not in much of a better position go ahead and make a perception roll with disadvantage or 10 just as you get done digging your grave feeling yourself about to black out you see a skeletal hand of one who has passed before you and never made their way out of the grave i need you to use any skill that you wish to use to get yourself in this grave without passing out athletics uh seven just as you finished digging it and looking at this hand the world begins to spin and you fall. Eight points damage. You also gain one point of exhaustion. And all is gone.
For a while, nothing but darkness floats in the space. And then, slowly, there is a thin line of green light that begins to spread out like an aura in the sky. It begins to shape like mist and take the form before you. It looks like some sort of cliff face or something that you've seen before. I want you to go ahead and make a history roll. 21. You recognize it as the hallowed place known as the Valiant Falls. Not so far away. As the mists begin to grow clear and more clear and create this image of this like ethereal green bluish light, you see the cliff face where it juts off and this flowing waterfall just begins to just cascade off the side. The mists seem to be pulling you up to the top of that. Something up there. Your wisdom lies there. And then you're awakened. <gasps> you're pulled up out of the dirt. You're just kind of like shooken awake by Utsun. Utsun looks like he barely can take care of himself. And as he looks at you, Lothar, Lothar, are you okay? Yes. What did you see? I saw the Valiant Falls. The Valiant Falls? I saw that too, but... That's not... That's not what where my, my vision was of. It was of something. Things that I've never seen before. Short little creatures, like lizards on feet. I think I have to talk to them. And then you guys look over and you can see the door has been propped open. The coals and the fires, for the first time you realize, are completely doused. You don't know how long you've been asleep, but it is still completely pitch black outside. When you guys move your way out and look out there, you see all of the trappings of the horde are still there. You can see the teepees. You can see some of the more permanent structures. Even some of the hounds still sleep. But the festivities have been completely cleared. Festivities that took days to put up. And now you wonder, was it hours, minutes, days? All you see are some guards who are walking around keeping an eye out for any other hordes who might ambush yours. They look at you, and then their gaze passes. For you are neither alive nor death. You are a ghost to grow into your new vessel. Lothar will try to gather some materials that he can. So as you begin going about gathering materials, go ahead and use a survival roll to gather all the materials you think you would need. Or 16. Utsun uh, looks after you and starts to, to go with you as you start going from places to places. You get a, a couple things that you might need. Uh, the rough supplies of maybe what would be like an adventuring pack. As you start making your way to where your weapons are kept and other such things, one of the guards looks at you and this time his eyes focus in on you. He hisses. <laughs> ah, be gone, ghost! 
May you touch none of these. Quit our haunting our place. Leave. Return once you have found your body. He lowers his weapon menacingly. You recognize this man as a man you had grown up playing catch with, fishing trout with. And now he looks ready to skewer you at a moment's notice. Lothar will move away and definitely you can tell from the outside that he looks hurt by it, obviously, because he grew up with him. And then start making his way. Look over to Oates and say, let's try to make it as far as we can tonight. <sighs> okay. <sighs> I don't like this. Go ahead and make another survival roll to find like a, a really good place to make camp for the night. 23. You find a place and it runs alongside a channel of water. There's like a little hollow a little bit up on the side of like one of the ravines that you can make camp. And as you kind of both clamber your way up there and Otsun finishes saying that, that is when you hear a sound that moves like thunder cracking. <laughs> sounds like rock grating on rock you look across expecting not surprised at what you see both you and Otsun completely enthralled as you watch a stone giant wake from the opposite side of the wall the stone giant stands 20 to 25 feet and looks and is made of all stone and carries somewhat of a familiar visage to you guys to a humanoid and as it stands very slowly you feel the wall you're on begin to move just to the side of where you guys have hidden part of the wall comes off as another stone giant begins to come to life moving off of this ravine wall and a fist slams as the two begin to kind of go into this titanic battle against one another rocks begin to fly everywhere you both pull kind of further in no fire made this night as you watch the two kind of fight for this brutal territory where one finally is just completely heaved into the water creating a new channel of the river as the head is then pulled from the body and then all goes quiet as the stone giant stands over its dead competitor and then steps back and falls back into place on the ravine wall. And with that, a day's rest goes by. I want you to go ahead and now, now that you've done a survival roll for your first night, you can do another skill roll that doesn't include survival. I'll choose nature. 
plus four, ten. So what are you trying to accomplish with nature? How are you trying to use that? Lothar. Kind of so everyone kind of gets his personality. He's very like kind of down to earth. Um, I feel like people would assume it would be kind of like Atlas, but he's not. He's like almost the complete opposite of Atlas. So he's um very kind of like down to earth, very friendly, very kind of kind of go with the flow in a sense. So with that in mind, Lothar is with his nature, nature checkers, basically trying to kind of feel around, um, try to sense and see kind of just different outcroppings or um, the trail. Also trying to see if anything in nature seems like not normal, kind of like so they don't run into um, giants mm -hmm. that they just uh, witnessed last night. Okay. For this next day of travel, Oatsun also pulls out from his pouch um, a flask of water. It has many names across the planet, amongst many hordes, but in yours, it is the water of life. He drinks it, and then he begins to shimmer, and suddenly you watch as his form pulls into each other. He shrinks down to maybe about two feet in length into a flying snake. Taking your lead and listening to what the things you were looking for, he begins to work in tandem with you, scouting out the path and coming back and helping lead you as well. Together, you both manage to avoid any trouble, and you both manage to make the second day and second night of camp completely unharmed, and you even manage to scavenge some food. On this night, just as you are both lying amongst your, your, your beddings, Otsun looks over at you and he says, Brother Lowrunner, uh, what do you think we will find at the Valiant Falls? Well, Otsun, I believe we'll find the truth to all of this. What is truth? I believe you, yeah, but... <laughs> Aren't you at least a little scared? And you can see that there's a, a shake to him. A small tremble that only comes in the quiet of night. Yeah, Lothar will kind of clap his hand on his shoulder and say, I'm with you, brother. I want you to go ahead and just make a straight charisma roll. Uh, three? Seems to take a little heart from that and instead stares upward at a cavern ceiling covered in ferns and moss and other such things. You can even see a little rat moving up up across the, the ceiling. Mm. I know. But what about when we're men? When we move into our new vessel and we take wives and we father children? All changes. The days of being carefree are gone. Do not understand, Lothar, brother Lowrunner. We will be looked at to lead this tribe against other hordes, against the Zor, against the Verbiege, to keep safe from the giants. And who knows, what if the prophecy comes true in our days, a time 
when we might go to the surface of the planet and know the feeling of the sun. All of these things could pass under our watch, and yet I don't feel ready for them. How could I? How can you be so confident? I don't believe that I am confident. I just believe that nature and honestly, I feel as if we just will end up where we end up. I worry about it if it's not right in front of us. You can make a persuasion roll. Mm. It'll be the last thing to cheer him up. Nine, nine plus one, ten. He rolled a natural one for where he is. Oh. And he... <sighs> You're right. He leans over. Your arm is kind of just outside of the bedding. And he kind of tugs at this bracelet. Some wood beads around the side of it. Some scrimshaw along it. But then this strange material that you and no one else has ever seen before. This band of metal made so fine wrought to feel like like a vine from the trees and along it the words Kashin and as he pulls it he says I walk with the one who comes from the stars yes you're right I worry over much. Good night, brother Lowrunner. Good night. Tomorrow, we become men. And for one so so worried, the depths of sleep come to him quick as he... Lothar, <laughs> <laughs> right before he goes to sleep, will use Druidcraft. So basically, he'll create an orb a small orb to see the weather so it's like if it's a golden orb for clear skies a cloud for rain falling snowflakes for snow and so on as you go to cast druid craft you down the waters of life that which enables you to use magic and this orb appears and in it just a ball of light shines it is to be a favorable day and then it dissipates leaving you once more in darkness. With that, Lothar will try to rest. The next day comes, as does the long slog. Some hunger kind of eats at you, but it's you've you've gone through worse before. As you continue going, the way is easy. I want you to go ahead and make a perception roll. Uh, fifteen plus four, nineteen. Just as you and Otsun are probably within about. 10 minutes of reaching the Valiant Falls, you hear far off these waterfalls coming down, but you also hear the sound 
and you see the signs of being followed. Lothar will look over to Otsin and well, he'll try to give him kind of like a, a signal in a sense of mm-hmm. uh, maybe like when they're playing as kids like hide and go seek and other things like basically a signal to kind of say like someone's found us. He looks at you. And he sends like a sign back to you. Hide and ambush. Both are will just nod. So both of you guys make stealth rolls. Disadvantage. Four plus two, six. Oatsun himself seems to disappear amongst all of the foliage. You, on the other hand, just as you're settling in, the sound of a comes flying past you. You see a small dart that implants itself in the wood of the tree. You look over and you see uh, these ten, these two ten-foot-tall figures. You recognize them immediately. Your sworn enemy, those of the Zor Horde. You see Verbiege, which are these giant beings. They roughly are about ten feet tall, and they they themselves carry full beards and hair. They have elongated limbs with their hands and forearms going down past their knee. They are double-jointed at the knee as well. And then they move with these kind of like armor made out of thickened wads of of foliage of from like these giant plants. Just dozens and dozens of these plants pushed together to create kind of like this padded armor. They both carry these like clubs that are serrated on the end with like kind of carved into it. The one who's holding the blow dart gun tosses it to the side just as you hear them whoop. And they come dashing at you. We are in initiative. Oatsin goes first, and then those of the Zor Horde go next. Then I'm lost. Yes. We first jump over to Otsun. Otsun is just watching this attack happen, and he, you know your friend enough to know what's probably crossing his mind. You're kind of cursing his name, but you're also... You've seen this before. He's, he's a big scaredy cat. And you know that his heart must be pounding right now, pounding through his ears. So he's going to make a resolve check. Fail. And so he... He's frozen in the bush, watching this happen as those of the Zor Horde come running towards you. Both of them begin to take two attacks, just going back and forth. And one of the four attacks actually hits. Five points of damage. You see that it kind of rips at the side of you, and you kind of feel this like burning searing on your side as it bruises and bites into some of the skin, and you can just now see a little glistening of poison along the edges. Seven points of poison damage. It is your turn. As my bonus action, I'm going to create Defile Round. His body's going to kind of like pulse, and then the pulse will like move down through his body very quickly, mm-hmm. and then it'll go into the ground. And then in a 10-foot radius around him. But so the surrounding area, plant life, it'll slowly seem to kind of like rot. And it also seems as if the area just has this like wispy smoke and everything that kind of like travels through the ground, like up and down. 
this corruption lasts for one minute. The corrupted area is difficult terrain for creatures that are hostile to you. Additionally, when a creature that in the area takes damage from an attack or spell for the first time on a turn, it takes one d four extra, and it takes an extra one d four necrotic damage. Um, and I can move this patch corruption up to thirty feet as a bonus action. Flying creatures aren't affected. Yeah. I'm gonna cast Moonbeam at third level in the middle of both of them. Five foot radius, 40 foot high cylinder. When a creature enters the spell's area for the first time or starts its turn there, it is engulfed in ghostly flames and it must take a constitution saving throw. It takes oh. 3d10 radiant damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. Shape changers give disadvantage on saving throws and if it fails, it reverts back to original form. So they go, <laughs> just as the smoke starts to come up around them, trying to push away this ground that is like rotting away from them the organic part of like their sandals kind of also withering away and then they are shielding their eyes as this moonbeam goes through just as the sound of Otsun can be heard brother low runner and you hear this sound that is this shape changing noise and the sound of foliage being pushed apart and that's when you see and hear the trumpet of an elephant and you see Otsun has completely changed into this elephant that towers above all of you and has tusks that split into four on each side and he comes charging at the two members of the Zor Horde and as he comes in he throws his head down goring both of them he knocks one to the side and he knocks the other with his trunk both of them fall prone to the ground now writhing in the desecrated earth and he runs straight through and past Otsun trampled through both of them and through the moonbeam so Otsun's gonna make a spell save he rolled a 15 okay so he only takes half damage yes oh, th 3d10 <laughs> don't worry his <laughs> HP is only 34 the, the moonbeam begins to swirl around him sucking away the magic the energy pulling it away even though you don't mean to Lothar and you watch as the elephant shrinks it loses the fur the fur becomes skin and clothing and you see Otsun fall to his knees and as he looks at you the skin beginning to boil from the pain of the moonbeam he crawls out of it as far as he can and kind of collapses to the side breathing heavily from damage 12 Otsun's on the side kind of pulls himself up to his feet and he flashes you a smile a little bit of blood kind of coming from like a popped boil on the side of his eye get him brother those of the Zor Horde are now they themselves are writhing in agony the ground almost seeming like it wants to suck them down into it and make it a part of this desecrated mass as they stand up the moonbeam begins to swirl around them, creating these boils as well. They both succeeded on their saves, so you roll both at half. 17, so 17 divided by 2. As you see them, so they begin to move out of the way sluggishly, backing away into the forest. It's difficult terrain, too. <laughs> so they get to the edge of this, like, ring of desecration, not quite out of it. You can see that they 
are limping, they are hurt, and they are chattering amongst themselves in the, the language that the Zorhorde use that you don't understand. But you can tell that their morale is broken. But as they can't get away, seeing that their choice is between life or death as you look like you're getting ready to cast another invocation or move on them, one of them turns, he pulls up a dart gun, and he goes and shoots the dart at you for three points of piercing damage, and I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Seven. You see the die dip of a poisonous frog. You feel your muscles start to spasm. as They start to rig. You need to make a concentration check for your spell. 20. And then, as you manage to hold the spell in place, downing a little bit more of the water of life to keep it you will need to make at the beginning of your turn another constitution saving throw and if you fail then you will be paralyzed at the end of the turn right okay. constitution saving throw three plus five is only eight you get your turn and then you're paralyzed i'm gonna move the moonbeam the moonbeam shifts covering them they throw up their arms to, to see past the light but they're completely blinded almost at this moment is that it yeah and then your body tightens up rigid and you feel yourself fall back on the support of the tree Otsin learned his lesson and he <laughs> he comes over to you and you see him get to the side and he says uh, i got you brother i'm sorry for my cowardice today I am a man for the Lowrunner Horde. And he readies an action. If you are attacked, he attacks back. It is now their turn, and they make their saves. We have one fail. We have two fails. Nine plus three. Twelve plus four. Sixteen. Products going to be three damage and one damage. So as your moonbeam scores them, these boils beginning to build, the ground pulling at them, beginning to rot away the flesh at their feet. How do you want to kill them? Both are in his paralyzed state. You'll see him like kind of struggle on the ground. You're going to see like his veins and everything kind of pulse with like an eerie light. And the moonbeam will kind of intense, just kind of burn away like the first layer of their skin. The howling, the screaming, the... As they drop to their feet. And then the burbling as the earth begins to uh, wither away their flesh. As, as if they are decomposing at a much faster rate. and starts trifling around in his bag, starts gathering things, and he says, if I don't hurry, it'll stop your heart. And using his own druid craft and work, he slowly begins to draw the poison out. And it's much later, in the high afternoon, that you two finally can rest back. The sound of the waterfall continues to thrum calling you you guys kind of fan out make sure that there's no one else 
but there seems to be no others from the Zor Horde. Otsun pulls forth this knife made of this sharp obsidian stone, and he hands it to you. And he says, Brother Lowrunner, take the first hair. You killed them. I will take the other's scalp after. He'll cut off their hair and then with like druid crab, create like a blackened vine in a sense around it to kind of like hold it. And Otsun falls in your footsteps, shearing away. To manhood. Now let us see what this wisdom is. And you two begin to make your way towards the falls. And sure enough, as you come to them, you see this glacial water coming down. The color is vibrant aqua green blue. And you see from your vision the top of the outcropping. You both kind of look at each other. And you both begin to set about climbing up. And just as you guys get to the top, you hear the sound of strange words and the sound of strange noises. You hear voices that sound like this. Except it sounds like there are many. I need you to, as you both poke your heads up, make a stealth roll. Right? The creatures, whatever they are, rolled a three. You kind of poke your heads up, and you see strange, gleaming rocks on top of strange, almost shining legs or trees that support them. There is like smoke or or clouds coming out from the ends. These things have this this hill that kind of extends out of it and you see these beings walking in and out you see strange teepees made out of a material you've never seen weird smells spicy and pungent come from a fire that you've never seen not a fire pit but something laid out that is somehow pushing the flames out from nothing but is not magic or that you know of and you see dozens of beings bipedal shorter than both of you by quite a bit they wear strange tight-fitting clothes they carry strange sticks and other such weapons some of them you even notice have a shimmer about them and you see that they are all kind of the same although they come of different colors and slightly different looks but they all are scaled. They all have reptilian heads and horns that come off of the top. And they all seem to be listening to the instructions of one dressed in regal blues, brighter than any flowers that you've ever seen. Wings that are almost see-through, but also kind of like the 
the shiny rocks of which they keep coming in and out of, the shiny rocks that make all this noise. The scales on this being are gold. Every once in a while, he or she or it barks in order. It sounds rough, but you see like a differential treatment of respect and awe. You realize that this being is old. Four horns come off of its face. Two go off the top, and then two come off of the cheekbones. Eyes that are warm, pink. Teeth that are startling white. You watch as this being looks around, holds up its wrist, where there's like another like strange piece of jewelry on it, presses it, and you see like the face, a ghostly face of one just like him comes up, and he seems to be talking with a ghost from another time. It is in awe as you watch all of these strange things. And then you realize, as you hear a... As you see an, a, another of those like shiny rocks, but this one flying down into the chasm and landing. And more of these creatures coming out. You found the wisdom. The wisdom of change. And it is your job to return to the hordes and speak of it as a catalyst of what is to come. And that is the story of Lothar Kashin. So thank you guys for joining us on that bonus episode. Thank you, Nathan, for helping us uh, taking a break from Atlas and (laughs) helping jump into a totally different planet and different story. Uh, I don't know if we will ever run into this, exact storyline but if we do uh it'll be really fun so yeah hope you guys enjoy and we'll see you next time thank you for listening to this episode of starlight if you enjoyed this please like share subscribe for early releases exclusive rpg content and other bonus material check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.